0: In this episode, we talk to Dr. Sarah Parkak, one of the world's leading experts on space archaeology. Welcome to the Nature Middle East podcast, broadcasting from Cairo, Egypt. Every week, we highlight exciting research and stories of emerging science in this region. Space archaeology is the fancier term for satellite archaeology, or the use of remote sensing techniques, usually satellite imagery from space, to identify ancient sites or features within a site. Archaeologists working in the Middle East generally get satellite images from NASA or commercial satellite companies. They can use spectral enhancement on these images to see features of a site or a landscape not visible to the naked eye. Space archaeologists can zoom in and out of sites and landscapes to get a bird's-eye view of traces of ancient settlements, temples, cemeteries, and even trade routes across the desert. This is a new episode of Nature Middle East Podcast. I'm Pakina Maimer, and today we're discussing space archaeology with Dr. Sarah Parkak. Dr. Parkak has worked in space archaeology for the last 20 years in the Middle East. She's a professor in the anthropology department at University of Alabama, Birmingham, a National Geographic Fellow and winner of the 2016 Stat Prize. Parkak is also the director of excavation at the site of Lisht in Egypt, a massive cemetery and the site of several pyramids from the Middle Kingdom. Dr. Parkak has recently identified the site using satellite imagery. It's a painstaking process, but Dr. Parkak and her peers at other institutions have been able to identify thousands of sites. One of the most remarkable finds in Middle Eastern archaeology over the past 20 years is the sheer number of unknown sites. It looks like the scale of ancient habitation was much greater than we thought, and there is still much to be uncovered. And this is what we're here to talk about today. You're now listening to the Nature Middle East podcast. Coming up, our resident archaeology expert and science writer Meredith Brand chats with Dr. Parkak about how satellites are used in archaeology, about the exciting discoveries in the last two decades, and how conflict is creating a sense of urgency for scientists in the field. So when satellite archaeology is used in the Middle East, what's its most sort of common applications?
1: It depends on the site in the region, because um, in the Middle East you've got uh, obviously a lot of, a lot of desert. Um, and there are a lot of different site types. You tend to have three primary um, landscape types in the Middle East. You've got your, your dry desert zones, you've got your um, floodplain zones, and then you've got your um, rocky, kind of semi-arid, mountainous regions. A uh, place like Egypt, you've got your multi-period tells, your mounds. In the semi-arid regions, um, you know maybe you've got uh, kind of a mix of, of, of both. It just depends on where you are and what you know. Obviously, there's so many diverse cultures in the mm-hmm. Near Region, you know, going back um, 10,000 years. That um, it, it depends on what what country, what um, you know, ancient you're you're dealing with, and then you just you adapt. Uh, depending on the landscape type and the types of features that you're looking mm-hmm. for, In that landscape you just adapt your, your tools and you pick appropriate satellites and techniques mm-hmm. to, um, to process.
0: Okay, so what kind of, what are some of the, the major discoveries that have been made recently, you know, in the last 10, 15, 20 years using satellite archaeology?
1: What satellites have shown in the Middle East is the scale of what we don't know. Hmm. Which I think has been surprising, and when mm-hmm. we, you know, we're, there's a group of us. Um, we've all we all started sort of around the, the same time. Um, and I think when we first started, um, you know, announcing some of these discoveries, publishing them, sharing the results with our colleagues, I think there was a bit of skepticism. You know, like, wait a minute, how could it be this much that we don't mm. know about? We've been working in this area for 100 or 150 years. But I think now, you know, that's been borne out by pretty significant ground mm. survey efforts that have proven, you know, there there is actually this much left to find. And, you know, I always tell people, case in point, look at a place like Egypt where it seems you know, every week for the last four or five months the ministry has made a major mm-hmm. announcement of a new tomb or a new pir- a pyramid or something every single week. Um, so the, the the scale of what, what we don't know about I think is extraordinary and, and satellites have really shown that over the last mm. ten years.
0: No, it's really impressive what they've found um, and I think a lot of people when they think about satellite archaeology they get a little bit confused about the methodology, how it's done. Do you mind taking a minute to sure. explain what do you do when you actually do satellite archaeology? Right.
1: So, so I want to emphasize that, that satellite can no way replace traditional on-the-ground surveys um, and excavations. They've got to go hand-in-hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what satellites do, it's it's a starting point. It's a way to zero in on particular sites or features within sites to make your ground efforts more time-efficient and cost-efficient. Mm-hmm. So essentially, let's just say that um, I'm I'm interested in a, in a particular site, uh, the multi-period mound. And using the satellite, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get a sense of what potential such features may be on that mound. So I would make sure to get the appropriate high-resolution satellite data, and that's really what you do. You think about, you know, what are you looking for? You're looking for physical sites in a whole area. Are You're looking for features on a site. You're looking to maybe locate a possible tomb in a in a in a area um, or potential new sites. So you get the the data that matches. What you hope to find, based on mm-hmm. um, previous efforts in that area or previous efforts in areas like the one in which you're looking, you then order the data from a company like Digital Globe. You go on and specify an area of interest, and you know you pay your pay your money and get the image. You then uh, process the data using standard um, off-the-shelf remote sensing software. Mm-hmm. There are three or four different software packages that. You know, every university teaches. Um, it's really, really standard. It's not easy at all. People think mm-hmm. that I wave a magic wand that teachers uh, appear on sites. It's, <laughs> um, I wish it were that easy. Um, it would be nice. <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, typical remote sensing courses, you take a year's worth of introductory courses, mm-hmm. and then there are a whole lot of advanced courses that you sh- should take, both in remote sensing and geographic information systems, which is a way to layer your data and, and mm-hmm. kind of look at it in a more detailed way. Um, and then depending on where, uh, where you're working in the geology and the season of the imagery uh, and what the actual sites are um, composed of, whether it's mud brick or stone or some combination thereof and the soils and sands that may cover it, you choose your processing te- techniques appropriately. You then tweak the imagery, you analyze the data using uh, computer algorithms. I make it very clear. I don't code. I just I use <laughs> algorithms that are already there. It's the one thing that I like. I already wear a lot of hats. So there's no. There's not a room for that particular hat. Um, and then, um, then what you do is you look, you result. I'm, I'm usually pretty skeptical about the um, uh, about my data. Um, I'm really careful about looking at you know what's been done at that site previously. Um, you know, here's this rectilinear feature. Um, it's not published in any. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. previous surveys or reports, you know, it's 20 meters by 7 meters in size. That looks like a lot of Dynasty Five tombs from Abu Sir. Okay, we're looking south. So in other words, we narrow down what those features could be based on a lot of previous excavation mm-hmm. work. Then and only then, depending on if you have the concession to that site, you then would go to the site to do survey work or test ex- excavation. So mm-hmm. it's really a detailed and rigorous process that uh, can be quite time-consuming.
0: It definitely sounds like it. Is there a sense of urgency you feel in the Middle East to start doing more wide-scale application of satellite archaeology, given environmental changes and conflicts?
1: Oh, it's huge. You know, there are there are many many uh, institutes and individuals uh, involved in the mapping of um, archaeological sites under threat across the Middle East. Uh, You know, for example, the U.S. State Department has a joint program with the American Schools for Oriental Research. Um, They're doing a a, a huge project uh, in Iraq and Syria, and now Libya, Uh, the EMANA, Mm E-A-M-E-N-A, project is doing a lot of uh, monitoring work. Uh, There's a project out of the University of Pennsylvania um, that's doing a lot of work in in Iraq. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of work in Egypt. Yeah, there's a real, real sense of urgency. So many of these sites are being affected both by, um, by looting, by urbanization. Uh, climate change is, is a major issue that's just beginning to be discussed. Uh, but so many of these sites that are located along coastlines um, are going to be affected. So yeah, I mean, there is a huge sense of urgency. And I think more than anything else, the ministries um, across the region feel those, um, feel that urgency and are really putting a lot of emphasis on training mm-hmm. um, and mapping and conservation. Um, that's a real change that I've seen uh, with, for example, Egypt's Ministry of Antiquities. One of their new regulations is that every foreign mission has to take on at least two inspectors for training, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, so you know, I can't i can 't speak for the the ministries in in other countries i I know Egypt mm-hmm. um, best of all, but yeah there 's a real real sense of, of urgency because everyone everyone realizes the black market of antiquities needs to be mapped out. Um, you know we hear all these numbers thrown around the the market of antiquities a year we hear numbers in the billions. can you prove it you know what where where does that come from you 're not this is really why um, I think the, the the work that we're doing, all of all of my colleagues in are doing with mapping sites, is so urgent. How do you know a, 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 an archaeological um, object is missing if you have no idea the number of sites that are out there? How do you know to protect it if you don't know it's there?
0: Given the availability of satellite imaging from Google Earth to images purchased from commercial satellites for as little as $200, most archaeologists employ some form of remote sensing. In the future, however, improved resolution satellite sensors are going to enable archaeologists to see even more of ancient landscapes and sites. Laser mapping systems will allow for high-resolution 3D maps at these sites, and this will save vast amounts of time in the field. Archaeologists will soon be able to excavate with great precision. If you've enjoyed this glimpse into space archaeology, make sure to check out the full interview with Dr. Parkak on nature.com slash and Middle East. You can follow this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter to have the latest news and feature stories delivered right to your email. I'm Pakinam Aymer, thank you for listening and have a great weekend.